This is episode 12, titled Threadlocker and Retaining Compounds. This is Robert Monty, and I have with me uh, Michael Parker. What's up? And Mike Grumpy DePaulo is not with us this evening. Uh, he's traveling about. He's so grumpy that uh, he decided not to show. <laughs> so, it's been a while since, uh, since we've actually sat down and done a recording. And uh, we're gonna go through. It has. Yeah, it has. We're gonna go through some older stuff and uh, get into some newer stuff. So uh, first up is uh, well, we did since the last episode. You want me to go first? You want to go first, uh, Shaggy? Uh, you go first because you know how I do. Yeah, I'm gonna start a timer for you and just tell you. I'm gonna give you two minutes and I'm gonna count down. Uh, oh great! Uh, every every thirty seconds. <laughs> oh, just kind of like my transmitter with the new telemetry I have set up. There you go. Every thirty seconds, I get a, a warning. <laughs> I get this nagging voice. So, uh, you know, first up on my what I did since last episode, uh, flew at Nats. Uh, I flew in the expert and masters class. Um, I placed first in both, which was uh, I was really happy about. I did manage to uh, smash a model during an auto rotation. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, it went squish. Yeah, I, I kept it within the three meter circle, though. It was. Uh, I, he, I, it, it, every single piece was in. Every single piece was inside the circle. Um. Yeah, I. I got excited when I was over the circle, and instead of flaring, I needed to pull some aileron for flaring. Uh, I didn't pull. I didn't, I didn't use any cyclic to flare the model, and I just used negative collective to set it down really hard. And so uh, I set it down really hard, and that momentum didn't stop, and the model rolled over. Just slightly. Just slightly. But it wasn't too bad, but I'll be honest, the model's still hanging from my ceiling as I slowly repair it. I just added some parts to it this last weekend. Um, it mainly took out blades and blades booming a torque tube um, and links. So I got links left to build. After that was uh, Loctite for Life. So all three of us uh, attended Loctite for Life, which was... Uh, Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, it was Rick and Ashley's uh, wedding. Uh, they held it at uh, our home field in uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia. It was a lot of fun. Uh, hung out with friends and uh, didn't do much flying. And uh, also my wife came out and we were guests at the wedding, which was a lot of fun. There's a few photos out there uh, dressed in the steampunk attire, but not too much. Dude man here has a steampunk hat and a Fataba shirt. <laughs> I was representing every bit of it, man. Had a steampunk yes. hat on, my my team Fataba shirt, shorts, and uh, sandals. I was I was playing the full gig. Uh, their wedding was a steampunk theme, so I asked Rick. It was actually cool. Yeah, I asked Rick a few days or about a, two weeks before. I was like, "What steampunk mean?" And he explained <laughs> it. And I was like, "What am I supposed to do?" He's like, "Just put on a hat." I was like, "Hell yeah!" So Amazon to the rescue. Um. I didn't know until it was too late because I realized, wait, what's the theme? Like two days before. <laughs> and 
Well, I just wore some nice clothes. Yeah, yeah. There's plenty of people there like that, so you weren't. But I will say, Rick looked really good. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He looked really good with that. Like, like him and Chris. Chris oh, Olsen. yeah. Chris, uh, Chris was his best man for the wedding, and uh, yeah, Chris definitely dressed the part, and Ashley looked very nice. Yes. Yep. Um, they had plenty of family and friends out there. It was a uh, loud and uh, joyous look uh, uh, occasion. You know, after after Loctite for Life, uh, you know, it's just been some flying weekends. I've been uh, I've been working busy catching up on homework for college. So I know last weekend I uh, did some family stuff. You know, been celebrating birthdays around the house. My wife and I, my sons, um, been celebrating birthdays. And then uh, you know, uh, I went to Kings Dominion this last Saturday as a theme park here in Virginia. Um, and then you know, went out and flew flew Sunday. Yeah, models need TLC, and uh, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of uh, relaxing after Urcha and Nats. I get spun up more as we get into September because uh, looking forward to uh, Heli Extravaganza, Heli Mowdown, and and possibly some other events. RCHO. Yeah, I don't remember seeing an event a date for them, but I'm pretty sure one will be coming up. <laughs> yep, they're saying sometime in November, like last year. Yeah. Cool. That was me. What do you got, Shaggy? Uh, well, basically start from the beginning. Uh, Urcha and Nats, and in the beginning of Urcha, of course, you know it rained a lot, but uh, despite the rain, uh, ended up with the sportsman class coming in second. Uh, Mike Unger just uh, just barely beat me, but he did. He did great. Uh, we're both going to move up to the advanced class next year. Uh, looked at the advanced uh maneuvers. <laughs> they don't call it advanced for nothing. <laughs> I got a lot of work to do, but I'm excited, actually. I'm actually going to really try to work on this, and uh, I want to do a lot better next year. Uh, also, I did the MISFA Speed Cup. I entered in that. Uh, Santiago was uh, hosting that one. I participated in the S2 class, which is um, like 520 millimeter max and 30 smaller. Seconds. I... Hmm? <laughs> 30 seconds. Oh, gosh. <laughs> ah, dang it. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Anyway, so uh, S2 class, I co- competed with a Goblin 500 uh, basic setup, and I came in second in that one as well. There was like four of us competing in that class. Um, and that's, you know, had a great time at Urcha there, uh, going to um, uh, Rick and Ashley's wedding, Loctite for Life. Who can say they've been to a wedding that's a fun fly? Or who can say they've been to a fun fly that's a wedding? Not many. Freaking cool. <laughs> Freaking cool. And the fact is, how many weddings slash fun flies do you see the Loctite truck come up? None. <laughs> that was the coolest part, is the Loctite truck. Yeah. Uh, that was the best part of the event. Yeah. I. Uh, that reminds me, because they, they gave us samples of uh, the new one they're promoting, Loctite HY4070, yes. which is... What they refer to as a hybrid adhesive, it's um, it's a uh, it's both a uh, uh, it's quick like CA, but it's strong like epoxy. And yeah, I put some uh, I put a rudder control cement. Yeah, I put a rudder control rod together with it. There's no pulling it apart. I put oh, a hell no. I put a, a boom support together. No, not pulling it apart. Um, 
and of course they had they have YouTube videos and demonstrations as part of it. Um, you know, they show one of the YouTube videos shows a train, uh, yes. a, a locomotive connected with cars, two hundred eight tons. Yep, and then of course in their in their tractor, uh, in their rolling in their rolling demonstration that they show as they go around the U.S., they had uh, like wing nuts on on bolts they're putting together to try and get it all twisted apart. Pork swing was hanging from from that Loctite. Yep, they had a bag. I didn't get to see that one. I, I kind of kind of sad I didn't get to see that one. Really? Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, they had the 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 porch swing was there. The they had a punching bag. They uh, cut hockey pucks in half, glued it back together with the uh, forty seventy, and they were, you know, people were hitting hockey pucks. Um, also had uh, like a twist. You know, they basically were showing the different aspects of um. Uh, so like the pulling force, uh, a twisting force, and a uh, like a pushing force, like our sliding force, yeah. and how none of that will be able to uh, ruin this bond. Like they had the uh, like a, a aluminum rod that the ends were glued on, and they had it on a uh, uh, you, you basically you grab a handle and start twisting the aluminum rod, and it's actually not it's not cheap aluminum. This this is pretty strong aluminum, and every time when the aluminum twists and breaks. It's right in the center. It's never at the the ends. It's never at the bond. Yeah. Yes. And uh, they had a um. How do we? It's not a hydraulic press, but it's hydraulics that pull apart. And they had uh two metal plates, and they had bolts that are through that. It's not through each other. It's through just the two metal plates, and they're threaded on the ends of these two hydraulics. And it reached up to like seventy three hundred pounds of force before the threads on the bolts failed. I don't know if you saw that, Rob. That was cool. Yeah, no, that stuff's really exciting, though they are very correct. You got about, you don't have more than 20, sec, 20 seconds of working time before it's hard. Not even that. I, 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 I probably played it about 20 and, and got it, got one final yeah. adjustment to something. Um, also, if you are interested in buying this stuff, get a bunch of extra nozzles to go on it because it's, um, it has a little, uh, it has a nozzle that mixes the two components together as you squeeze it out, and uh, those things will harden. And you'll need new nozzles. You'll you'll have you'll have plenty of this stuff. <laughs> yes, and not enough nozzles. They said about five minutes per before that nozzle actually hardens. Nope. So you got about five minutes working time uh, before it hardens in the, in the nozzle. Nope. <laughs> Oh, you tried it? Oh, dude, I put together two boom supports and a rudder control rod, and it took me um, – I, I used two nozzles doing it. I was able to poke a hole in one of them once and keep using it, but that was it. it wow. It, it, it was <laughs> – that stuff is fast. Yeah. Yeah. I also um, – also there, and apparently no one else got a chance to get some, but I asked if they had any like some – like epoxy resin, just like a, like a five minute epoxy, and they pulled out some forty sixty, and they gave me a bottle of that stuff, which is um, it's black, it's black and white, uh, different uh, compounds. You know, they're colored, so you be able to when you mix it, you're able to get that nice gray uh, mixture before you actually lay it down. So I got a tube of that stuff, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, but but they you know they they just pulled that out of the back, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome because I'm I was I, I, in the need of some five minute epoxy and it's like this is great even the color i like that yeah um 
Later in the show, we'll get deeper about standards, but I started looking up some some specs on the uh, 4070, and I was wondering if there was a a hybrid a hybrid adhesive that Loctite made that had a, a longer, you know, a little bit longer time so it could work with it, because boom supports in 20 seconds, and getting both ends aligned is no fun. Yeah, it's a little tricky. <laughs> yeah, so I did. I did run in a forty sixty, and I think there was forty ninety. Was another one. Yes, the forty ninety. Yeah, forty ninety as well. But uh, yeah, the forty seventy has like strength numbers close to JB Weld. Um, it's I, insane. Yeah, I ran into some strength numbers. It was interesting the difference between um, uh, like shear. Shear was one measurement that I, I saw. And, yeah, it's got numbers up near JB Weld, which was pretty amazing uh, because it, it cured so fast. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, now one other thing that I did ask him about with the mixing tubes, uh, how it mixes you know, mixes together inside the tube. Mm-hmm. I asked him, I was like, well, that that has a lot of waste. Would it be better? Well, could you still use it and put it on like a table or a mixing cup, mix it up and use it? And they said, absolutely not. You will not have enough time. It will harden before you're able to mix it, and you won't be able to get the right mixture. So that's why the two there they have these tubes, mm. uh, so you can get a better mixture because you just will not have time. It will harden up in the cup. Mm. Yeah, I'd imagine it harden up in the cup. I'd imagine it would harden up in the cup. Yeah, they 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 had the nozzle. The nozzle actually connects in some interesting way. So I wonder if and it's you could, also a cap. Yeah, it is also a bit of a cap. It, it comes with a cap. I, I wonder if you couldn't squeeze out two separate rows of that stuff and use like a toothpick and mix it. Maybe they give you a little bit extra time if they're two separate, but one of them may cure an air. <laughs> um, so yeah, that would suck. Yeah, it would. I, I don't know, but uh, I like. Oh, well, I got a few bottles. I may try it. Yeah. Um, what else you got? You know, past Loctite. You doing any flying this last weekend? Um, I did. Uh, one last thing for Loctite that I will notice, that I will say out and just be really quick. You thought Urcha had a lot of crashes? This event had more crashes than I've seen all year. <laughs> it was awesome. Like, every other flight was a crash. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if that was awesome, but yeah, there was... Speaking of crash, there was one in particular that I want to point out, and he's not here to defend himself, so hell yes. <laughs> and that is DePaulo. Smashed it. Well, he didn't smash it, but... Uh, it Harrier landed. He Harrier landed, and uh, the landing gears went straight through his wings. And all you guys can probably point out, yes, it was his jet. <laughs> yeah, that was his pilot jet. He almost made it. He almost recovered. The engine uh, cut off in flight. He was bringing it back down. He had plenty of uh, he had plenty of, uh, of a- uh, altitude, altitude, but just not in the. He didn't, he didn't have the airspeed, yeah. and it just harried right into the tall grass, and the gears went through the wings. Yep. Yeah, I was talking to him last night, and the unfortunate bit is, um, it seems the. Airframe he's looking for is possibly back ordered for like six months. Oh no! <laughs> so I, I don't know what he's doing, but he is definitely on the hunt. Not flying a jet right now. Yeah. Um, but but the 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 thing that was he was worried about the most was why the hell did it cut off? Because <laughs> it was flying great. You know he's got almost a hundred flights in this plane. It's been doing great. And then he realized 
the tank was empty. Yep. Which, and this is my honest opinion here, I would rather make a dumbass move like that than have something mechanically fail, and you don't know what it is. Yeah, that's confidence killing when you got no idea. It kills confidence in the aircraft, and that's just oh not Oh my fun. gosh, it does. Yeah. So, as, as, as terrible as it may seem, like, I forgot to fill the damn thing up, <laughs> and that's why it went down. But then it reassures you that saying, oh, it was my own stupidity, not the actual equipment. Well, I'll be Thank honest. God. We were having a good time. We were having a good time. And he was having fun with that jet. It's hard. It's hard to pre-flight. It's hard to pre-flight with a... It can be... I wouldn't say it's hard. It's challenging to have a proper pre-flight when there's a lot of noise and people and, yes. and fun is yes. being had. Um, yes, you want to get back out there. You don't want to, like, go through the whole list. Yeah. You want to get out there where you think you got it all, but you skip something because you're not paying enough attention because your mind is following the beat of the music or a conversation happening nearby. But yep. yeah, yeah. He knows what, he knows what happens. So he's no, no, uh, no doubt on, on the aircraft. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's another thing is I wanted to fly my nitro. I wanted to get out there and fly. And what do I do? I blow it up. <laughs> I blew up my engine. My bear, I, I ran it just slightly too lean. My bearing exploded and it started gurgling. I was like, or not gurgling, but grinding. I was like, yeah, I better land this. And I tried to turn it over and I hear it kind of grinding. I was like, yep. <laughs> Took it apart and it was the bearing. I was like, oh, okay. Well, and then I looked at the piston, the ring, the, the sleeve, the rod. It's like, yep, RC Japan. All right. But, uh, after that, yes, I have done, uh, I have done some flying. Mostly right now what I'm doing is I'm getting ready for RCH and 6. So I got basically four helicopters that I'm working on. 500, 420, Fireball, and then the Oxy-2 if I have time with the Oxy-2. Fireball mainly just replacing bearings. Good to go. 420, I got it flying. Finally got it flying uh, since spring or since March. Got a, uh, I just had it lying around a Hobbywing 120 amp ESC overkill, but it fits. I'm going to keep that in there until I'm able to get a, uh, the new Calibri 90, which is what I'm planning on putting in there. I got that going. Uh, the 500, I have converted over to 12S now for, uh, speed flying. Waiting on a motor, but I got a Castle 120 speed control. Uh, big thanks to Bob Heaster for that. And, um, I've got, Opti Power 2700 milliamp batteries in series. And uh, last night, actually, I was uh, getting all the telemetry set up because I'm waiting for the battery or waiting for the motor to come up. So, you know, the show up. So I got all the telemetry. Finally, I get a helicopter that is full telemetry capable, live telemetry and everything. Temperature of the ESC, voltage of the receiver pack, um, RPM once I get the motor, of course, of the motor and the head speed. Uh, what else is there? There's also uh, current milliamp consumption. Um, I said temperature and a bunch of other fun stuff. So finally, I actually got it working and it's actually so cool. And I have it all set up on timer. So every 30 seconds, this nagging voice will tell me the voltage and everything. You know, oh. the voltage of the main batteries as well. Jesus, really? Well, every 30 seconds, you know, that's just reasonable. <laughs> but it's, it, doesn't in a, it doesn't in a line. So it's like... You know, a five-second line of just random voices oh, that, that just kind of say it. So, it'll say... You know, if you fly that heli near me and it starts that shit, I'm going to slap that transmitter out of your hands. 
<laughs> like, what did you do that for? Your hand was talking. I thought I thought something was going on. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting. I I, I mean, I, I I thoroughly enjoy the telemetry. I have telemetry on my heli, but um, I set up alarms to vibrate, and basically, if it vibrates, it's a must. Well, it's, it's a must land situation. Yeah, and that that's kind of what I was doing. But thing is. When you're out in events, you quite can't quite hear it. So I had the vibration as well, but there's times where I don't really feel it mm. because I'm in the mood or I'm in, I'm focusing on the model. So I don't really feel it as much. So I kind of have like a voice and vibration. So at least one of them, I'm going to feel it. Now, the, the, the thing about with the spectrum on here, uh, there, I can have warnings as well. So if it drops below a certain voltage or a certain temperature or whatever, there is a warning, uh, there's, there, I can have a warning setting on there, and it's not just like a simple uh, vibration. It's like a very hard, strong vibration. Like I, it, I could be in a dead sleep, and this thing will wake me up, feeling like there's a bee crawling on me or something. It's yeah. a strong vibration. Because what I did is I unplugged my main battery pack, and then it started giving me that that low voltage alarm, and it's a strong, annoying buzz. Yeah. So I know I'll be able, no matter what, even if I have headphones on for some reason. I will notice this. So that was cool. I, I know like uh, the LVC in my Contronic, it's set for 3 volts a cell, but I have an alarm and the transmitter set for 3.2 volts per cell. I rarely hit 3.2. Um, usually when it happens as I'm flying a cold battery, very hard in dead of winter, and it's one of my older batteries and it'll it'll click off. So uh, yeah, I have, I have an alarm for voltage, but it's really, really low. Like I said, 3.2 volts uh, is what my alarm for voltage is. LVC is at three, uh, uh, you know, uh, before it stops the fun and forces an auto. Um, same with temperatures. Temperatures, I'll, I'll vibrate um, at a fairly high temperature before the ESC decides it's had enough. I don't bother alarming on like RPMs. Uh, I don't care. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, why would you put a big alarm on that? Like, oh my gosh, you are at your normal head speed. Okay. <laughs> um, I also don't alarm, alarm on amps um, that I remember. Um, amps is what amps is. Let her eat. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I might, I might turn the amps off on that because now I'm thinking about it. It's Even if I do a really big spike, it's not going to tell me the max. It's just going to tell me what's current. Yeah, I, I there's there's things I just turn off. Um, the big one, the one that'll check off uh, a voice alarm and um, a vibration alarm, of course, is the milliamp hours consumed. Right, you're done, land. Well, I actually give myself a little bit of a gap. So, like, um, I fly five thousand milliamp hour batteries. So my telemetry alarm and the transmitter is thirty four hundred milliamps is when it goes off. I can finish the auto. I could actually do another auto after it because um, the Contronic is set, I want to say, for 3,700 milliamps. It only takes about 150 milliamps for me to climb out and to an altitude I like high up and then flip throttle hold and come back down. So, um, Right, yeah. Yeah, it's, so it, it tells me the fun's over before the Contronic does because – it's better to know the fun's over instead of having the ESC just start taking power from you. <laughs> and See, this is something that I've never experienced, and I'm really excited to try this out, is I've always been like, all right, uh, three-minute timer, 
I'm gonna go so smart smack it around, and after the end of the three minute timer, my batteries will be at like a fifteen percent, which is a little low, but you know. But then I might do a gradual easy flight, and I land. I'm like, I still have a minute left to flight. Crap. Yeah. Uh, but now I don't want to go back out there and spool it back up because the battery is really dead. So I don't really want to go back, you know, go back to the flight line to spool it back up. But now I'm gonna know yeah. right then and there. Alarm will go off saying, "Hey, you are." You know, I may be six minutes in. It's like now you're at. You know, the alarm will go off. Like now you're at your your milliamp consumption used. Now you should go land. You and I, we like it. It, it uh, you know, the various fun flies this year when we're playing around with autos and doing our little game of horse. Yeah, I'll sit oh, out there. Oh, yeah. My timer will run for fifteen minutes, but I may be standing in that flight box with the other guys, um, twenty, twenty-five, thirty minutes. As they do their autos as well, and Usually. yeah, the telemetry is is really nice to allow you to just change up your flight style at any moment during the flight and get the uh, optimal amount of time uh, time of flight out of your battery pack. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, like when you're doing like uh, a game of auto horse or or anything like that, or you're just doing autos all the time, just think that it, your your time is literally doubled. It takes you know, if not longer. To come down than it is to go up, depending on how you do it. If you screw it up, well, then you're going to be down quick. But I mean, it takes maybe th- <laughs> <laughs> you're down real quick. Um, you may take 30 seconds to climb and 30 seconds to 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 descend, uh, depending on yeah. what kind of auto you're doing. So you're really getting like if you you're not going to be probably cranking at a high head speed. So let's say you have a 700 helicopter at like you know, you tone it down to 1800 because that you don't need it crazy. You, and you can get out of set of a five uh, five thousands, uh, eight minutes of just smooth three D. Well, now you're going to get like sixteen minutes of autos. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with your numbers, but I or I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with your numbers. But uh, yeah, you're right. I agree with you. If you go from you know a nice flight to autos, yeah, you you definitely double up on your on your. You wouldn't say you could double up. I, I don't know. It definitely it is definitely more time. One other thing, and this is the very last thing I did on Monday, is I, uh, you mentioned that you went to K- uh, King's Dominion, this theme park there. Yeah. I went to King's Dominion as well on Monday with uh, <laughs> Lincoln. Uh, yep. For those who don't link- know Lincoln, look him up. He's insane. Um, Nit- Nitro Rooster. Yes. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we went. Uh, he's also a, a, a adrenaline junkie as well as I am when it comes to roller coasters, and we're just yeah, we went out to the field. He was there, or out to Kings Dominion. He was at the field uh, for the end of summer bash uh, event over in uh, Fredericksburg Area C Club. Went over there, spent the whole day there. We got 26 rides in, uh, grand total. No one was there. Uh, put on a lot of rides on the new ro- roller coaster called Twi- Twisted Timbers. Uh, it's a hybrid roller coaster. Uh, that was a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, so if you're local in the Virginia area and you haven't heard of Kings Dominion, you gotta stop there at least once. It's an awesome theme park. So, yep, that's basically what I did. Uh, on to, uh, on to the next, uh, topic. News. News. So, we got three items here. Yep. Uh, first up, uh, Shaggy brought this to my attention. So you were talking to the Horizon Hobby people, and I guess you talked to them about the Fusion 480, and you found yes. out that right now we could only run 480 millimeter rotor blades. But yes, knowing Horizon and your other questions, it sounds like that that could change in the future. Yeah, my biggest question was, and this is since they were announcing the the new Fusion 470 or 480, sorry, uh, was the the 
can it run larger blades? And unfortunately not. It's it's only 480. There is no room at all for making larger blades uh, unless you want to clearly boom strike. And uh, talking to them, you know, seeing, and they, they were even thinking about it. I was like, well, you think we should make a, stre- uh, a stretch kit? I'm thinking, absolutely. You know, people would love to run 500 size blades on this. The 500 size blades are very common. There is a lot of 480 range blades, but there's way more 500 blades out there. And I think people would love that. So whether it's going to be blade themselves that are going to make the make a uh, stretch kit or maybe even Lynx. Uh, Lynx does a lot of that kind of stuff. So I'm pretty sure one of the one of the two is going to come up with something in the near future. I wouldn't be surprised. Yep. yep. Uh, next item. Uh, I saw Graves RC down in uh, Orlando, Florida. They are posting up. Uh, they got Fataba product in, uh, in stocks. So, yep, dealers are now getting uh, Fataba product coming in from uh, Fataba USA. So, uh, yeah, I know you can actually visit Fataba USA and, and see some of the stock levels. Um, so, cool. there's definitely product in the U.S. if you're looking for transmitters or gyros or, or servos or whatnot. Or receivers. Or receivers, yep. Um, and then the last item we have here in news is Contronic just announced this week a new Cosmic 250. Another brick. <laughs> uh, they're saying it should be available in November. It has uh, the telemetry, tell me as they call it, built in, which was that's an upgrade from uh, the existing Cosmics. Um, it's a 14S ESC, uh, like the other Cosmics. And then this one has a crazy peak of 600. <laughs> it can power your freaking Prius. 640 amps. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a friend and I were looking. I think I think you might actually be able to use this thing to power a, a Tesla P85. Um I think you could. <laughs> this, this thing, this thing is uh, the numbers on this thing are it. crazy. I want to see yeah. it. Uh, numbers on this thing. Well, the the bigger problem for like the Teslas, you start finding out they're running much higher voltage. They're on the four yeah. four hundred or more volt, uh, four hundred volts more. Um, but uh, hey, they're crazy Germans. Do it, do it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so new AC from Contronic coming. Um, definitely looks like it'll be something interesting for the speed guys. Oh my gosh. You, if you overamp that, there's something clearly wrong with you. If you overamp that, your <laughs> helicopter is on fire. <laughs> and not just smoking, I mean a little fireball. Well, I know from my crash during Spring Fling in 2017 Man. that I. I pulled like 180 amps when I hit the ground. <laughs> so if you pull enough amps to 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 shut that thing off, I think you done hit the ground. I was doing some basic math on 12s at 12s at 50 volts to 640 amps. You're talking about 35,000 watts. <laughs> on 14s, oh it's 37,000 watts. I don't. I've seen there's plenty of you know there's plenty of motors Scorpion and others who have ten ten thousand watt motors. I don't know. <laughs> you know you could uh, put a couple of these in the uh, Velos. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I was also reading. You know, the back in it is uh, the back in it is is what uh, thirty amp peaks Jeez. for the back built in, which is a uh, same figure as the backs on the other Cosmics. But the best part about this ESC is probably the price. Ah, uh, I mean it's okay. up it's up there, but you got a built in hundred dollar <laughs> module. Yeah, um, that is one thing to think about about the price. It is it is MSRP'd at a thousand dollars, and yeah, the Tell Me module is built in along with you know Tell Me module is built in. So uh, you know it's it's not the cheapest, but the also you wouldn't say you're saving money, but uh, you're getting more ba- you're getting you're getting higher specs than what you get on the the Cosmic Cool 200. Right, which is like 950 or something. That last 10% of power could be the most expensive and the hardest to get and I could see guys who who truly want it. This oh, yeah. money is they truly want it. This money's this money is <laughs> money is no object. <laughs> I got to go fast. <laughs> right. Uh, cr- uh uh correction uh cosmic cool 200 is 859.90 they did change it that's right they lowered the prices but still yeah well 859 plus the 100 dollar tell me module you're 950 dollars so. so 50 dollars more you 50, get it built in 50 dollars more and you get like i don't know 300 amps higher peak <laughs> <laughs> yeah so be, uh, I, I can't wait to see someone have it in their in their diablo speed or tdr uh, or TDS. you know I uh I look forward to seeing some good speed runs. Maybe maybe next year. I didn't make it over to speed side this year. Um, I was doing um, announcing work at uh, Urcha Center Stage this year. Yeah, so I did get you know, and I said this in the live show. I did get you know the best seat in the house to watch all the uh, crashes, the the best pilots, the best pilots, and and you know the best some of the best pilots in the world, and. Uh, and some uh, pretty miraculous crashes, some pretty miraculous saves. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that also reminds me, uh, if you're poking around you happen to visit, like, the Urcha Facebook page, they put a ton of live videos up there. Uh, I did compete in the night contest with uh, with my Synergy running the rail night blades you and everything. Sure so it wasn't, it wasn't with the light towers on. It was the uh, more of a standard contest. And uh, I, I uh, named myself Fred Flintstone. <laughs> I almost talked him into the dirt. It was awesome. Yes, I um, – I don't want to count. I don't want to. I don't want to. I, I came close. Yeah, there was a moment I came close, and and you came really close. And, and you know, light is what light is, so the video doesn't really show it as well as you'll just hear it in the audio, and everyone just erupts like, "Oh my god!" You know, because you almost smash it, and they can. Uh, you were you were at least. I mean, you you popped it, and you were at least an inch. It was it was close. Mm, it was close. I. I that's one thing that's deceiving for folks who haven't been to been to the AMA field and been on um, uh, site four back there where where Urcha the jamboree happens. Center stage, uh, you're, the pilot is basically standing on the top of the hill, and so the area out in front of him is all a little lower than him. So yeah, uh, or her. There was some lady pilots out there. I was really happy to see them too. Um, but yeah, the hell is lower than the pilot is or can be. So it can be a bit deceiving for uh, spectators. Oh yeah, there was there was a couple that uh, tumbleweeded across the the hills. <laughs> yeah, it's also not most level ground. I would say last up in here. Um, by the time this episode makes it out, we should probably have heard something from um, the Urcha board about oh, yeah. uh, dates for the Jamboree in 2019. 
but there's uh there's been uh there's been some uh there's been some crap con- controversy controversy about about next year's dates we should hear more um all i can say is you know by the time this recording's out we should hear something but uh if it's positive or negative uh you know what i'd say is get out on uh get out on facebook uh, that's where most of the noise is at and, uh, see if it's good or bad and, and, you know, get involved, uh, get involved, send emails, what, what not, what, whatever it be. Um, I also saw another one that came up and, uh, I seen some emails was, um, RC flight tech. A lot of us use it for registration for events. Oh yes. I heard about this. Yeah. Got to save it. He's got a, he's sending us some emails, but, um, Michael Kranitz, the owner of it. But yeah, he's looking for folks to sign a petition to see if AMA won't give it a vote if they they will use it officially. Um, I know I use it. I find it to be a value. So oh, it's super easy. I love it. I would it. be sad to see it leave because uh, it would force us to do a lot more work as contest directors and as clubs to register people, collect money, and um, and get the required information recorded for turning into AMA. I don't like doing a whole lot of like online pain, but when it comes to RC Flight Deck, it is super easy. You set up a profile or everything, you have your AME number locked in there, you have your address, whatever, your name, everything, and you just want to go to an event, you click on it, you pay through PayPal, you're done. It's that easy, and I absolutely love it. I've been using it for years I, so I hate to see that go. I don't want to have to go the, to an event, hand them money, then write down all my AMA and pull, you know all that other stuff. I just I just like to no, go there, grab my pilot card, and I'm done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Jamboree uses it. I know uh, our local field, uh, Fredericksburg RC, we use it, and then there's a couple others who use it, and um, it really makes it convenient. But enough for that. Yep. Now let's start the main topic for at least once. Yeah, main topic. So main topic. Um, I, you know, uh, we've been talking and we've got some planned building episodes. So this topic of thread locker and retaining compounds really feeds into the bigger picture of uh, building helicopters. And um, we wanted to cut this up because you know we realize that uh, four-hour-long episodes uh, work great for some of our friends and us and many listeners but hour long episodes also work well as uh, also work well <laughs> yeah you can always you can always download four hour long episodes and get through it in no time but it's a lot harder to listen to one four hour episode and remember where you left off yeah well the program usually remembers but then there's just the fast forwarding and where's the fun stuff at <laughs> yeah and also unless you have a cell phone like mine that resets randomly oh. and then it loses your spot you're like oh that's right that's right you download this as an mp3 and listen through it i use podcasting apps so oh, they always yeah. know where i'm at yeah it usually does until it randomly wants to reset and yeah okay so speaking of loctite truck <laughs> speaking of loctite so a lot of this topic is going to be uh, a little vendor agnostic so uh when we mention thread locker or loctite we're talking about a compound that does that locks threads or a compound that does uh retaining um thread locker is just that it's used to lock threads a retaining compound is um not for threads primarily it is for retaining um items uh for syndrilical items um yes uh, for retaining cylindrical assemblies. 
So, uh, you know, that's the, that's that's a little primer on those words. Um, next is the standards. So there are actually standards that thread lockers are tested against. So the there there is an organization who does standards and thread lockers are tested against it. They're called the International Organization for Standardization. It is an or, international organization. Uh, their short name is ISO. Uh, it is not an acronym. It is actually a name all by itself. It's registered as part of them, but you've probably seen like. You know, for some guys who work at IT, you may have seen like ISO 27000. Um, for all those CDs we burn, so many of us have seen that we burn ISOs. Well, actually, ISO is a standard. Uh, 9660 is the standard for how data is written on CDs and DVDs. <laughs> um, so, yep, ISO is actually a name for them. Specifically, there are two standards we are interested in. There is the standard for thread locking compounds, that is ISO 10964. And then there is the standard for retaining compounds, which is ISO 10123. Uh, for thread locker, for thread locker, ISO 10964, they got two definitions within there. Prevailing torque and uh Breakaway torque. We'll do breakaway torque first. Breakaway torque is the initial torque required to break the bond measured at the first movement between the nut and the bolt when unscrewing an unseated assembly. So breakaway torque is when you first hear that, that pop when you go to loosen a bolt. Um, that's, that's the breakaway torque. When you hear that pop, you know you had a good bond of uh, the Loctite. Next is prevailing torque. Uh, prevailing torque is measured after the initial breakage, breakaway, of the bond at a specified angle of rotation of the nut. Uh, for testing, they specify it's a 180 degree turn. So after you get breakaway, you'll notice that the bolts are harder to turn depending upon the Loctite used. Um, as we go further, we'll talk about it. And those are really important. Um, those are really important because when you start getting into these, uh, when you start getting into these thread locking compounds, you you start getting into um, the prevailing torque, the breakaway torque, and then just the temperature at which the the compound breaks down. So going over, so I got a whole spreadsheet of this. So for example, uh, we've all played around with a, a green Loctite. It's usually given a number of Loctite two ninety if you're playing around with a uh, Loctite's product. Their breakaway torque on this, and it's all measured in inch pounds, is 90 inch pounds. So that initial break is 90. But here's the wild thing. The prevail torque on that green 290 is 260 inch pounds. So it pops easily, but it's harder to turn. <laughs> oh, a hell of a lot harder. Yeah. That stuff takes some time to, to unthread. Yep. Whereas when you get into your blue, so for example, uh, here I have listed uh, a blue Loctite 243, which is what they yep. refer to as yep. primerless. And I'm going to get into primer stuff in a moment. The breakaway torque is 106 inch pounds, but the prevailed torque is 26 inch pounds. Good grief. Yeah. So this is where like blue, if you tightened it and it's tight, it's going to stay tight. If you do the breakaway and it gets that nice loud pop, it does not take much of any torque to finish bringing it out. 
which right. usually means if you if that breakaway breaks, uh, the vibration of your model will happily vibrate that bolt right out of the hole. Oh yeah, and into the great uh, into the great big flying field of Earth. <laughs> well, uh, better yet, right into your rotor disc. Yeah, it can go into the rotor disc as well, denting rotor blades or yep. embedding into your rotor blade. I've seen that. That's funny. Oh yes, <laughs> I remember seeing the imprints of that. Yeah. Yeah, I had a bolt hit one of my blades at RCHO. I heard a loud ping, and there's a big old chip in the blade. Yeah. Um, when you get up into your red Loctite, you know, some a lot of people will, will fight, oh, you never use red. So here's something interesting about red. So the Loctite came out with a new one called 263, primerless, high strength. The breakaway torque is 275 inch-pounds. So that's how much it takes to make it move initially. The prevail is 290. So that's where you start seeing your strength. The interesting part is all these numbers, all these numbers are done on a test bench and they have actually standard part. It's an M10 steel nut and bolt that they cure at 24 hours a time at 71.6 degrees Fahrenheit. So these numbers aren't actually what we see with our smaller M2, M2.5, M3 bolts, but it gives you an idea of the strength differences in them, which brings me to something uh, that we don't talk about all that often, and that is uh, properly preparing your hardware. Oh, yes. This is another one. I know exactly (laughs) what you're getting at. Yeah. Um, Loctite is good at, at, at certain <laughs> things unless you do one thing, especially on a new kit. Yeah. So uh, oil, oil does not help. Um, and this goes back to what Loctite is. A lot of us know it's an anaerobic uh, retainer. And if you're like me, you drag your knuckles around, you join the Marine Corps, and you thoroughly enjoy life, you're going, what is anaerobic and anaerobic means the absence of air. So, Loctite cures in the absence of air. Also, if you go reading through Loctite's uh, literature, you'll find out it also cures in the presence of metal ions. And Loctite goes along to list a bunch of things that are that are uh, that make. Uh, the retaining compound not as effective, uh, harder to harder to make a bond and and properly cure, and one of those is black oxide coatings. Yep. Well, guess what? Guess what? Pilots, friends, all our black bolts are black oxide coated, and they're covered in oil because none of us are happy when we receive a bag full of bolts from our favorite manufacturer, and they're all rusted. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Hence why they're all greased up. They're all lubed up. So, um, if you notice, you never seem to get that nice good pop when you you break that bolt's bond or that your bolts vibrate out. Yeah, we should probably talk about how you prep your bolts. There's many different ways. There's... There are, and go ahead and list some, and I can yell at you about both of them. <laughs> so there is the, I ain't got the time, and I just want to build it, and you can take a cloth and try to, you know, 
ream each bolt with there. Maybe put a little bit of alcohol, you know, rubbing alcohol in there. Just try to clean it all up. And then, of course, you got the Monty way. <laughs> <laughs> and you buy a Sonic cleaner. So the Sonic cleaner is nice. Um, but after after some fun threads in, in Facebook land and talking <laughs> with friends. <laughs> no pun intended, right? Thread. <laughs> um, no, no pun intended. <laughs> Stop using rubbing alcohol. Isopropyl alcohol, stop using it. Uh, if you go look at it, you'll probably find that most store blends are 90% alcohol. You know what the other 10% is? Water. Water. Yes, folks. Go ahead and keep cleaning all your stuff with water. <laughs> I, got, I, actually, I actually have some 99% too. Yes, I, I run into plenty of guys who get 99%, and uh, I'm not going to fight you about it, but just realize that there are two other items that are easy as easy to get and are on the store shelf. Uh, brake cleaner, which comes in a very convenient, usually spray uh, fashion, so you can spray your bolts with it. Oh, nice. And you can also spray into... Like a feathering spindle, that hole. If you have your feathering spindle out completely, you could just spray it in there and sprays all the sprays all the oil and sprays all the gunk out that the machining guys may not have got. Um, so brake cleaner and acetone. I was about to say that. Yep, acetone. Uh, acetone is actually a primary ingredient for brake cleaner, but not the only. Um, those two items, I-, I can tell you, you can walk into Walmart and find acetone, uh, just like you can walk into Walmart and find isopropyl alcohol. I uh, and then you can find it in the exact same aisle because it's AKA nail polish nail polish remover. Yeah, I wouldn't use a nail polish remover though. Well, no, but it's it's literally it's literally almost the same thing as it's a nail polish remover. Yeah. It has some other added ingredients to it, but it's in the same aisle as that. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So acetone brake cleaner. Brake cleaner is cool because you can spray things out with it. It's fast to get. Um, acetone usually comes in a bottle and it's not as easy to use, but. Um, I put my acetone into a jar and I throw my bolts into it. And then I put that whole thing in the water of my um, ultrasonic cleaner and let it go for five minutes or so. Um, And then I just pull it all out. But yes, you need to prep your hardware. Our thread lockers, um, while they now make primerless ones that can can deal with grease, you're not helping yourself keep bolts in your model. Uh, by not by not prepping them. Let's just put it this way, uh, quick and simple. I know some of you guys are, are listening to this like, well, I just want to build a model. And you can. But do you want to build a model and have to rebuild it after it literally shakes itself apart? Or do you want to put a model together and keep it that way? <laughs> you got the easy way of just taking a rag and you got the you know, maybe harder way or more time consuming way by doing the ultrasonic cleaner and all that prep work that like, I don't want to spend that much time doing that. But at the end of the day, and this is how I look at it, you learn a lot in the process and you feel good about yourself because you know, you built that helicopter well. Yeah, definitely. Um, the other thing I'll say on this is if you're going to remove them and you're not, and they're not easily removing most every lock tight or most every thread locker has a temp range. For example, red 263 is negative 65 to 360 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, same temperature, same temperature for blue 243 
And almost the same temperature for green 290. Green 290 is actually negative 65 to 300. There are high temp versions of these. For example, there's a, a blue 2422 um, that does 650 degrees. And there's um, there's a red 2620 that does 650 degrees. But I've got some of that. Yeah, like the red one is interesting. It's an extreme high temp paste, but uh, its breakaway torque is 161 inch pounds. It's kind of low, and its prevail is stupidly low at 10 inch pounds. Um, gosh. Yeah, but it's still better than blue high temp. <laughs> so it still is, yes. Yeah, I mean you're not gonna get. You don't want to use like JB Weld, you know, strong when it comes to that stuff. I use. Uh, I've actually a long time ago on my first uh, H55HZ uh, uh, OS engine, the head screws kept on backing out constantly. Uh, so I actually had to use that the red high temp. Uh, Loctite for the head screws on my uh, 55 yeah. uh, just to keep them down. Now, I didn't have to worry about that one, the second one, but the first one, they just would not stay in. And obviously, you do not want to use regular Loctite with high high temp uh, ratings because it will liquefy pretty much and act like a lubricant. Yeah, yeah. That's um, uh, To be honest, I build almost my entire model with red. I do the same now. There is a few key places that I'll use blue. Um, that, that uh, for instance, when I have two bolts going into an assembly at one another, if I was to use red on both, then whatever one is got is not is not cured as well or doesn't have as many threads as the other into the assembly will break, and that may be it. When I break, I mean break its bond. Uh, that may not be the one that I need to twist out, and then you got to jam pliers in the assembly to hold the bolt that's twisting in order to get the bolt you need loose loosened. So, for instance, on like a, a synergy transmission, uh, the bolt that cannot be touched while it's inside the model, I use red. The bolt on the outside of the frame that holds it, it's blue. Um, that way, uh, if I need to pop the transmission out, I can pop the bolts on the outside and pull my transmission out, and the red ones just sit there and hold, and there's nothing going on. Uh, I've made the mistake of using uh, red on both, and it required me to significantly disassemble the model to get the transmission out. School of hard knocks. <laughs> it's not fun. No, it's it's uh, it's a bit upsetting when you realize you're a moron and you have to take extra steps, and you just want to you know get out a big set of pliers and mar everything to death. <laughs> but at the end of the day, at least you're not uh, running your jet on empty. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, oh. Mike, had to do it. Now, another thing that I usually do, now this, of course, this is just my per, uh, my own take on it, and you probably disagree with me on this. On the smaller models, and this is like Oxy 2 and smaller, I pretty much just use mostly blue. Yeah. Because because all those small screws, you know, there's not as much torque on them. So they're not they're going to hold fairly decently. And also, you don't want to use so much or such a strong bonder that it's going to strip out the threads so i i use for the like the oxy 2 the blade 180 and you know smaller models i will use blue mostly for the whole entire thing uh but the fireball and bigger that's all going to be mixture of red and blue yeah I, I i agree with you i know like um 
set screws specific like in the synergy the set screw that holds uh holds a pin that goes through a gear in the transmission that is red i know when i have to pull that set screw out i, I will give it a little bit of i will i will test it with the 1.5 millimeter driver if it's not coming i just stop what i'm doing and put heat on it um I don't build my models to be worked on at the field. I build them to to basically stay together. If I need to take a model apart, uh, I mean Shaggy actually saw it. So did Mike. Um, when I when I smashed when I when I had that bad auto at Nats, I pulled out my B model. A model went to the side, and B model went to service. Um, because I, I don't need the model falling apart in flight and me looking for stuff and trying to find things. I'll deal with, you know, having to use a soldering iron to heat up a set screw later on. Yep. Um, and yeah, so I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I definitely don't blame for the smaller models using blue. Um, but I would definitely say, you know, prep your bolts uh, for the steel hardware you're screwing into. Um, definitely, you know, definitely get that steel hardware screw. Uh, uh, prepped up put it through acetone use or use some brake cleaner um when i deal with aluminum a lot of times i actually put that through in a water bath with dish soap to cut the oil off of it uh, no harsh chemicals for the aluminum and then uh my my ultrasonic cleaner has a heater in it so i'll do it at really i think it puts the water up to about 150 uh, when I pull it out of the water with a warm part like that the, the water evaporates fast <laughs> oh yeah it would make sense too yeah, so the water evaporates fast uh, if it's a thin layer. If it's if it's not a thin layer, then you know an air compressor or or, or you know a rag or something will clean it. Uh, will clean up the water or just let it sit and evaporate. You know longer. Um, so it definitely brings you up to prep. Uh, I'll definitely say another thing. Um, if you look through the Loctite application guide, and they make it, and I, I plan to put a link to it in the show notes. Very informational. Very, very informational. Most every bit of this actually comes most most everything comes from that that user guide. Um, items on ISO standards are of course from the ISO organization. But uh, when you're applying thread lock, if you apply a thread lock to a bolt and then thread that bolt into something, uh, the thread lock just pushes away. Hence the reason you always find a ton of thread lock between like the bolt. Your side frame, a <laughs> bolt in your side frame, and and that hole in the side frame is cake, is caked with with Loctite. Please do not be that person. Please <laughs> do not be that person that literally has it dripping off the bolt before you shove it in the hole. Yeah, if you look in the application guide, the recommended practice is to put a little bit of Loctite into the item you are threading into. Um, for many of us who never hear that nice, good, solid breakaway pop that I explained a bit ago, yeah, it's more that 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 nice smooth pop is pop is exaggerated as in a jackhammer <laughs> trying to get through. Well, I'll tell you, if you hear that nice pop, you did it right. Yes. You assembled your model properly. If you don't hear it, it wasn't proper. And I'm not going to say that I'm perfect. I definitely pull some things out and it didn't pop. And I'm like, oh, hmm, okay. Uh, maybe I need to spend some more time. Maybe there was some some material in there. But it also goes to another reason why I prefer red is uh, <laughs> um, that prevail torque is high. 
And so if it doesn't really bond properly, the, the, the amount it takes to prevail means it's staying there. So yeah, for for items where you are, you know, you're threading into a into a hole that has an end, for example, a feathering spindle, um, put it in the threads of the feathering spindle, or put it in the threads first of of the item you're threading into, not on the bolt. Um, Loctite goes further, and I want to say they have two other examples. When you're threading like a nut, um, they'll show you, because it goes through, uh, they'll show that you could thread the nut on and then use a, um, a wicking grade like green 290. That's actually listed as wicking. And you can put it on the threads uh, right where the nut mates, and it will wick its way down in there. And um, it will help for... Uh, it will it will thread lock your bolt your nut to your bolt. Oh wow, there you go. Yeah, you literally assemble it first. Yeah, yeah, you assemble it first. Um, and for hard to reach places, of course, that's when Threadlock starts recommending you use the paste. Um, you can put the paste on it and like overhead applications and and uh, put it in. Um, and the paste is definitely going to stay where you put it uh, until you start threading it in. But yeah, definitely, you know, you'll see me, I'll use, uh, I use a little pick or I'll use a toothpick, um, but I actually use a little metal pick and um, I'll put a dot on the end and I'll dab it inside on the threads and thread my bolt in. Nice, clean, you know, prepped bolt and it's good to go. You know, another thing that um, I don't use it all the time, but I use it every once in a while for situations like that, I'll uh, use a Q-tip. For cleaning or for applying? Applying. Yeah. Were we talking about cleaning? No, um, no, no, no. I, I use Q-tips for cleaning. <laughs> it's not unusual for me to take like a feathering spindle. And if I'm curious about how really dirty it is in there, thread a Q-tip and oh, yeah, you find you out really fast how dirty it is. You can find out really fast how dirty it is. So uh, another item that, you know, uh, we were talking about is when you should not be using uh, a thread locker. So for lock nuts, which is um, uh, a nylon lock nut, uh, the nylon is what holds the bolt in. Loctite's not usually required, so it's not usually an area you should be using Loctite. So that's an item you wouldn't. There is also a class of plastic that is uh, will actually melt when it comes in contact with thread locker. <laughs> Whoops. Most of the stuff in our models is not made of that plastic. But you'll find out real quick. Yeah. Yes, thermoplastics. Thermoplastics is what Loctite lists in the technical data sheet as something you need to check before you use it on them as they could melt. (laughs) Wow. Um, And that's a whole category. I went looking for it before, and it lists off a whole bunch of things. But as I was saying, um, they typically aren't in our models. uh, The people who make model helicopters and models in general know that we use Threadlocker, and they don't don't spec a plastic that would melt in the presence of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, we didn't mention that um, fingers. You kind of put a little bit of Loctite over there and rubbing your finger around it. Yeah, uh, you're right. A lot of time, I will, um, I will, uh, I'll put some Loctite on the threads and then rub them, rub my finger on it just to get the excess off, so it doesn't run out and into a puddle. Yeah, that just that just so you get your like just just the right amount. It's right. You don't want it over threads. You want it in between the threads. 
Yes. Yeah. Then you know you have enough. Yeah. It's okay to waste it. You've got a lot. It, you know, a small little 10 milliliter tube is going to last you a long time. It's been lasting me years and I've been using that stuff like crazy. Yeah. So another thing that to be mentioned about most tread lockers, they set in 20 minutes and they cure in 24 hours. Yes. That was another thing I was about to bring up. Yep, it's it's about at seventy one degrees. That's what they that's what they do. That's how they work. So a lot of times, if I'm doing a quick build at the field, I will put all the stuff together and I will start a timer on my phone for twenty minutes, and then um, and then I'll go fly. <laughs> then go fly. And so the last thing to mention on Threadlock, and it also applies to the retaining compounds. They do have a shelf life. And you'll notice as you start buying bottles of the stuff these days that you're going to see a shelf life and it's roughly a year. Damn. Um, school of Hard Knocks, I have kept the thread locking compound around too long. <laughs> I think we all have. I think I've, I think that what I'm using is too old. Yeah. Replace your thread lock compounds and your – just re- replace your thread lock and retaining compounds. If you had them for a year, they're past your shelf life. Get more. In other words, don't go around buying literally 250 milliliter bottles of this stuff just because you can. And just to show out, hey, look, I got like 10 bottles of 250 milliliter bottles of freaking Loctite. That stuff's going to go bad. You just wasted your money. Yeah, because I, I, like a 10 milliliter bottle, I think costs like $15. And nope. I, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to use the whole thing in a year. A 250 milliliter bottle costs about 150 bucks or 130 bucks. Yeah. Don't go ahead and buy 10 of those. You can, but don't do it. <laughs> Next up is retaining compounds. Green. <laughs> Actually, there's some weird ones in here. So, uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, ISO 10-123 is the ISO standard for it. Um a determination of the sheer strength of anaerobic curing liquid adhesives used for retaining cylindrical assemblies and pin and collar type. AKA bearings. Bearings, yes. Shafts to bearings. Um, so in this spec, they measure its ability to hold in PSI. Um, and... I will say uh, is sorted in order of holding strength. I I went ahead and I got a spreadsheet listing out the holding strength uh, and listed it in the order. And I listed out the three standard Loctites we already have. For example, green Loctite 290 has a holding strength of 780 PSI. Blue Loctite 243 has a uh, holding strength of um, 1,100 PSI. Red 263 is 1,305 PSI. And then, so those are standard thread lockers. Then you move into actual retaining compounds. Loctite 641 is 1,700 PSI. And they list it for gap filling. So these, the retaining compounds are listed for gap filling. It's listed for 0.008 inches for gap fill. 641, you can remove with heat. The next one is 603. Loctite 603 has a holding PSI of 3,770. Good gosh. DePaulo has some of this. I've used some of it. 
Yes, it was on your torque tube. Eat removing bearings. <laughs> You're not, no. To this day, those bearings are still on that shaft. They're still on the shaft. Um, it actually has a gap fill of 0. 0.005 inches. 3,000 PSI. The next one is Loctite 680. And 680 is 4,000 PSI and a gap of 0. 0.015 inches. So it will actually fill a really big gap. Oh my gosh. And hold it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, Mike has talked to some of his friends who work more in this stuff. Once you get Loctite 603, it's kind of a lifetime hold. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to anything in our models, it's kind of a locked, it's kind of a lifetime hold. It, it, you ain't getting it back. Um, <laughs> if, if you never wanted to let go again, yeah, 603. <laughs> And it's crazy how it's it's not a CA, it's not adhesive. It's just something you put around a bearing, you stick it on a shaft, you let it sit for five minutes or so, and it's done. And it's like done. Yeah, yeah. Um, but a lot of times, so in a lot of my models, I'll put a dab of like six forty one on a bearing to a shaft, for example. Uh, the counter bearing on our motor shafts that holds that holds right above the uh, or right below the pinion. Yes, 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 yes. It really sucks when you go to replace that bearing and you find that the shaft is spun in the bearing, and that besides replacing the bearing, you also need to replace the shaft. That sucks. Um, I've had shafts cost anywhere from like ten dollars to sixty dollars, depending upon where they're at in the world and their and their base price and how to get them. Yeah. I mean, it's it's great. I could order a shaft for a Scorpion motor that was uncommon. Uh, people didn't hold it here in the U.S., but that motor shaft cost me sixty bucks from Taiwan. That's not the motor I have now, was it? No. <laughs> oh crap! Yeah, the the uh, old Nick Maxwell edition motor that was sold uh, that was marketed for the Thunder Tiger E seven hundred. Its motor shaft is uncommon, and most most hobby shops don't actually hold it. So I, I last time I replaced it, I had to order it from Taiwan. I had to order it directly from Scorpion, and uh, yeah, it was sixty dollars to my door for a thirty dollars shaft. I'm not mad. I'm happy I could do it. Um, Scorpion and buying shafts isn't all that hard, and that's uh, makes me a happy happy user. But yeah, so like I'll use a little dot. I won't cover the whole shaft. Uh, I'll get out again a pick or like a, a needle. Um, for those of us who have to wear dress shirts, uh, you'll notice a lot of times your dress shirt is held together with pins, and uh, you know that makes it look all presentable in its in its packaging. Uh, yeah, I save those pins. They're actually really perfect for applying Loctite in small places that you're going to thread into. And so I'll use those to put a little dot of Loctite on a shaft to a bearing. Um, uh, also torque two bearings. So yeah, six four one. Uh, I'll prep the shaft by uh, rubbing the the torque tube down with uh, acetone, and then uh, I'll take a Q-tip and a light amount of acetone, and I'll rub it around on the ID of the bearing. I don't want it dripping wet because I don't want acetone to go into the actual bearing. Um, just to rub that, that the area that's going to be touching the torque tube. So I'll apply the two of them together and 
it isn't walking around. You're not gonna have a, you're not gonna have a, a problem with it. So yeah, I'll apply those. I'll apply them Loctite, slide the bearings on, and then uh, give it 20 minutes, and then I will do the pull test. I will pull the bearing on the shaft. If it moves, uh, I didn't clean it up well enough, and I didn't get the layer thin. I like to get the layer thin on there. Um, I expect it not to move, and they usually don't. Not without application of heat, and then they will move. Uh, I don't Maybe. like CA. Maybe. I don't. Well. If I have a move, it's a sign that I didn't assemble it properly. I didn't get I didn't get the film thin enough, or yep. I, it's I didn't clean it. I didn't prep it with acetone. There's, you know, it's it's upsetting when I have it happen to me and I've done it, and it's usually uh, a model will fly fine, and all of a sudden it will get a vibration, and you'll start digging around looking for things. And then you go to pull the torque tube out and you realize that one of the bearings has migrated all the way to the end of the shaft. Yep. And you've got a torque tube that's got a huge wobble in the middle. Uh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it really pokes down to you didn't, you didn't prep properly. You're even trying to put a torque tube back in and it does, and it, it, it pushes all the way in and is lined up with the other bearing. It's like, damn. Uh, that goes back to the prep. I've, yeah, I've had it yeah. happen to me and I've learned school of hard knocks. Um, rub the torque tube down in acetone, rag and acetone, clean rag and acetone, rub that torque tube down, stop handling it. Um, st- you know, go wash your hands. Don't have your hands covered in grease from assembling, you know, uh, thrust bearings. And then, um, you know, prep up that bearing a little bit so it's clean. Get that Loctite on there, nice, nice thin uh, thread. You're not trying to gap fill. You're trying to get a film there that that uh, will adhere. Yeah, at 20 minutes, I'll I'll set it somewhere where it's not sitting on the bearing, so the bearings are hanging on the shaft, so it's 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 in the air. Um, I'll set it so it's you know it's horizontal on a surface, and then yeah, I'll set a timer for 20 minutes, and I'll come and I will pull on those bearings. And those bearings, if they move, I didn't do it right. I don't even assemble it. I don't. Uh, do it again. Acetone, clean it up. Do it again. Um, if I pull it and it doesn't move, I have no problem when I go to insert the bearing. Um, the next part, how do I say this without being crude? Don't shoehorn your bearing into your boom on that torque tube. <laughs> Plenty of plenty of lubricant. Uh, I use silicone grease. Uh, don't want to hurt your gal here. This is a tight fit. There's so I'll get that first bearing. Oh, so so geez. so I will I will I will put grease around it, a, a ring of grease in the boom, and then I will push the uh, I will push in the first uh, bearing, and I'll push it in some ways, and then I'll do another ring of grease there for the second bearing or. For bigger models, the third bearing, if it has a third bearing block, um, I'll put a ring of grease there. Um, I've used Windex in the past. I don't like it. It, it contains alcohol and water. And use that nice fine lube there and just slide it in real slowly. <laughs> <laughs> I've used like shock oil from like RC Hobby shock oil. Uh, it stays around decently and it's actually a really good film, but it just it thins out too much. It can. And it, can. it thins out too much. I truly just like grease. Diff um, fluid. You know, RC card diff fluid. Yeah, it it it, it 
It's a little bit thicker. It's thicker, but it doesn't stay. It will still, gravity still affects it. When it comes to like a silicone grease, a clear silicone grease. So, um, I, you know, to be honest, I just use plain old, uh, triflow. I, I, I go around the boom and I kind of just twirl it a little bit. I kind of yeah. take a small towel, just run it, run it in, you know, down a tube, you know, like a, like a boom support or something like that, running down back and forth, uh, kind of like a chimney sweeping or something like that, you know, just, just to get on there because it's going to stay there, you know. It, it, it works for me. It works. I I haven't had good luck. Um, the interesting thing is, if you go looking at dive shops, you can find a small tub, <laughs> a small tub of silicone grease, uh, because they uh, divers use it on O rings. It is consumable by humans. Um, it's a clear silicone, and uh, they use it on O rings. And most torque tube bearings are held in with O rings or a rubber, so it doesn't it doesn't react to the rubber. Um, it doesn't make it swell. So yeah, silicone, silicone grease. I just put a yep. little big 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 bunch of it on there and put it in. Um, and yeah, my bearings don't slide on the shaft as I am. Uh, Inserting it and laying, oh no, inserting the uh, torque tube into the boom. <laughs> Prep your hardware properly. For steel, I use acetone or brake cleaner. For aluminum or plastics, uh, soap and water. Dawn soap would be good. Yes, yep, Dawn dish soap. Yeah, that stuff is, uh, that stuff uh, <laughs> from cleaning wildlife who've been into oil spills to stripping the wax off of your car so you can put a nice new uh, clean, uh, coat of, a clean coat of wax on your car. That stuff uh, does wonders. Does. Um, you know, prep your hardware properly, uh, brake cleaner, acetone, or water and dish soap. Um Apply your Loctite properly. So when you're putting it, like most all our models, you're threading a bolt into a into a into a hole, a recess um, that that uh, doesn't go out the other side. Uh, use like a pick or a needle, a pin to put Loctite on the threads of the item you're threading into. And don't just squirt the bottle in there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> if you disassemble and you find you have wet Loctite in there. That means it means you have air in there and it couldn't cure. You probably noticed no matter how long you own the bottle, it's still liquid. Yeah, because there's air in the bottle. If you crack it open and it's like this white film coming out and it smells like it's brand new, it's falling out white. And then, of course, a little bit of liquid comes out of that after that. <laughs> That's when I know it's way too much. Yeah, when you smell fresh Loctite when you undo a bolt, you went overboard. Um, you went overboard. Not to get off topic, but red Loctite tastes so damn good. It's scary. <laughs> uh, red and blue have different tastes, as does green. Oh, green is, ugh. Blue is, ugh. Red is, like, freaking sweet. It's, like, scary. Yeah, if you look at the actual technical data sheets and the MSDS, the material safety data sheet, you'll start to see the ingredients. That's what I'm going to look up. Um, and there is different ingredients uh, for the compounds. Um, yeah, prep your hardware proper, apply your Loctite properly, and um, don't be afraid of red. And if you have a part that's stuck, uh, use a soldering iron and apply some heat. Um, you'll start to you'll start to smell the Loctite um, <laughs> letting go as you apply heat to it, 
and you can then just pull your part right out. There's no reason to blow up hardware, strip bits or strip bolts. Um, no. Um, for retaining things, well, remember the higher the PSI, the harder it retains, and you know you've got you've got thread lockers, which your red two six three is the best at retaining. Uh, but you got extra rotating compounds, 641, 603, 680. And um, that's what their job is, and they have even better specs than the standard thread lock. You know, and uh, with with also the retaining compound, I know you, you talked about the torque tubes, you know, putting on torque tubes, but also like bearing blocks. Yeah, you're right. When you're putting it on bearing blocks, this is how I typically do it. There's many, many different ways of doing it, but how I typically do it is I'll put like one very small dot on top of the bearing. And then I'll take my finger and so I'll have, I'll pinch the bearing, you know, and then I'll take, um, uh, my other finger and I'll kind of rotate the bearing. So I'm trying to spin the bearing, like I'm spinning it. Mm-hmm. And, and after a while that will, you know, take that one little dot and spread it around the whole entire outer ring of the bearing. Uh, it's a very nice film. And then I will just, uh, press it right down into the, uh, the bearing block. Uh, don't want a whole lot. Because you may, you're going to need to get that bearing out again once that, once you crash or for annual maintenance or anything. So you just want it in there hard or, you know, know, tight enough where it's not going to, the shaft, it's not going to rotate inside of that bearing block because there you go, you're going to destroy that bearing block. Yeah. um, No, as I mentioned, uh, proper application, I use a pin or a pick, get a, get a tip on the tip on the pin or a a little, little dot of it on the pin is about as much as it can hold. And I wouldn't go max, but, uh, you'll find that you go to apply it and it will wick right in between like the ID of the bearing and the shaft or the OD of the bearing and the bearing block. It'll wick right in and the pin's nice so you don't put it into the bearing you keep it where it belongs. No need for CA. Just use Loctite. <laughs> yeah. I think we've all done that in, our, in the beginning is we used the CA and we've uh, hardened up a few bearings. Yeah. I've hardened torque two bearings with CA. <laughs> yep. That's what I used to do was CA until I found out the power of green. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 641 and then 600. Yeah, 641, yeah, it's it's a weird, It's I would almost say it's like a neon green, like a glow stick that hasn't been uh, cracked yet and activated. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, it really leaves us to close out topics uh, for next up for events happening um, September uh, 920 through 923, Heli Extravaganza, Woodruff, South Carolina at Triple Tree Aerodrome. Same place Joan All happens. It's a sweet facility. Um, I'm planning to be there. I wish I can go. Yeah. The weekend after that, uh, the last weekend of September is, uh, Fall Heli Mowdown, 928 through 930, Fredericksburg, Virginia. Whoa, whoa, you can't, you can't, you can't skip all the way to the Fall Mowdown. You got to mention also RCH and 6 that's happening over in, uh, Dayton, Oregon. <laughs> which actually is the same dates as the Helios Ginza. So. Yeah. It's the uh, RCHN is going to be, I believe it's the 20th to the 23rd. Um, if you got more events on the calendar, definitely give us a shout. But yeah, September 20th through the 23rd, Heli Extravaganza in South Carolina or uh, six annual RC Heli Nation Fun Fly in Dayton, Oregon. Uh, I'm going to Triple Tree. You're going to RC Heli Nation. So we'll have some uh, coverage from both events. Uh, maybe I might just go enjoy my life. 
<laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys, you gotta have someone deep throat the mic. Uh, uh, I'm also actually throwing another event on the calendar. I'm planning to travel to Florida. Oh, really? Oh, you're gonna go to torches? Nope. No, really? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That's a definite no. 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 Uh, I I am going to go visit the Tampa, Florida area. There's a flying field, uh, Riverview. Uh, it's the field that Angel Rojas and oh, yes. Nob Meraki fly at. Triple Creek Radio Control Aircraft Club. They have the Heli Fall Classic in Riverview, Florida. Um, it's competition, but I actually have um, I actually have another motive for being there. Uh, I found out this year I have a brother, a half brother, eh, a half brother, and uh, he lives in the area. So nice. I'm going to meet and visit my brother and do a competition. There you go. So uh, I'm gonna make a trip a whirlwind. <laughs> so you got one more competition, and I got one more competition. I got a speak uh, speak competition at RCHN, and then you got a uh, heli competition there. Mm-hmm. Cool. So yeah, we listed out our upcoming events, and uh, that really just lists uh, leaves. Uh... Ah, you know what? We got to say hi to our friends of the other podcast because they say hi to us. Oh, we we got to be nice. No, it's not about got to be nice. It's about returning. It's about returning the the wonderful graces that they've they've mentioned us that we exist. So we should do the same. They flick the bird, and we flick the bird back. Yes. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so let's first up say hi to our friends at Freefall RC. Freefall. Yep. So you got you got Andy Ross, who I learned so many things from that guy that I did not expect at Urcha. <laughs> so many things. I. I Come on. Let's name. Let's name the staff, dude. Let's name the staff. Okay. Let's... Fine. Fine. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll make fun of him later. Uh, then you've got Steve yep. and Kevin. Yep. Is Fred still with them? Uh, no, Fred Provost has uh, uh, not on that podcast anymore. Nope, it's Andy. It's Andy, uh, Kevin, and Steve. Cool. And then uh, you got um, the hooligans. <laughs> Walt and Ed. Walt and we Ed. Did, we did hang out with Walt at uh, Loctite for life. Yes. I sh- and I'm hoping to hang out with them again at their home field and uh, sometime in October. Yeah. Yeah, sometime in October. Uh, cool. Some family stuff that's yep. going on. And I usually go. I went there last year, and that's when I first met them. Great yep. guys. Uh, I do not. Uh, I like where they fly. I do not like the ground, which <laughs> is sand. Hey, man. Just plow it in every flight and build it again. Exactly. Okay. And what's the next podcast? You got the full pitch. Full pitch RC. You got Jimmy Jones. Uh, Jimmy Jones, Frank Mordelios, Sticklios. Wait, I don't wait, know how what? you pronounce his name. Frank's on that podcast now. Really? See, yep. This shows how much how how much I've been listening to other podcasts. I've been... <laughs> I haven't I haven't been listening to any other podcasts in months. I need to get back into the swing of things. Uh, I'm missing out I, on a lot. Yeah, you're I got a dick. an hour drive. I have no excuse. I just need to download them. Yeah, uh, you're a dick. I am. I am. I am being one right now. I will admit that. And then, uh, and then, who else is on there? 
<laughs> uh, what? Am I missing something? Uh, no. So they have uh, Jimmy Jones, Frank, Javier, and I can't remember his name right now, but he just had a birthday, and I sat next to him during the live recording at Urcha, and Scott? him and I actually did interviews. Yeah, Scott Lower. Scott Lower. His last name is Lower? Yes, it is, but it's not spelled the normal way. I don't care. It's pronounced lower. Hell yes. <laughs> he has no excuse now. Oh, I'm yeah. Just gonna, next time I see him, I'm just going to shout out, lower. Oh, <laughs> yes. I'm glad I know about that now. Oh, sorry, Scott. <laughs> I need the megaphone. Where's the megaphone? Dude, my megaphone was... <laughs> my megaphone got a... Uh... I got some mileage here, You need more D batteries? No. Surprisingly, they're going to go on year three at this rate. I don't get it. Uh, Definitely. Uh, and Oh, yeah. Not to forget uh, BK podcast. Bert and Kyle. I was going to say, I was, we're missing one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yep. Dever, definitely check out the other episodes. Uh, you can listen to the, you know, the guys over at Full Pitch just did an interview with Kevin St. Cyr. Uh, BK has been talking about the Tortuga and how Bert enjoys crashing it. What? Uh, what? <laughs> what? Crashing uh, per- it? Yeah. When did that happen? I want to uh, see it. Is yeah, it a video? I don't think no. Ugh, it didn't happen. Do it wow. again. I want to see it. <laughs> uh, Freefall. God, what did they talk about in their last one? Because they definitely they they definitely covered. Uh, oh no, they just had one. They literally just released one. Oh, or maybe it was Friday. What's today? I don't know what day today is. <laughs> <laughs> today is Wednesday. Oh, that's right. Tomorrow's Thursday, 30th, which is... Oh, yeah. that's right. Last episode, they mentioned they did Loctite for Life, so they did a nice review of yes. their time at Loctite for Life. Because actually, uh, the entire crew of lo- of uh, full f- of uh, yes. Freefall showed up after we egged them on continuously. So it was great to see you. I was surprised. I wasn't surprised to see Andy. I knew he was coming. And I was yeah, happy well, to see we're, him there. We're, we're supposed to be saying goodbyes and we're going on too long. You know what? This is our typical fashion. It what is. the hell? And this is so, just two of us. Yes. Well, we're the two most talkative bunch. Yes. Yes. Mike would be like, oh, welcome to Telerotor. Uh, we talk about this and uh, good night. Yeah. So I'm going to go crash with, a jet now. With all that. I'm going to say thank you to all the listeners. Please give us feedback in Podbean, Podbean or iTunes or the uh, Google Play Store where you can get the podcast as well. If you have any suggestions on future shows or what you'd like to hear, just uh, give us a message and uh, we'll see about it. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about for entirely too much time, please send us a please please email us. <laughs> Telerotor at gmail.com. We'll try to make it smaller. <laughs> no no promises, though, but we'll try. Yeah. So with that, thank you, everyone, and uh, have a great one. See you on the field. See you later, guys. Lower! <laughs> <laughs>
Wow. <laughs> ring, ring. <laughs> answer it, answer it, answer it. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, so next up is um, me farting. Um, yeah. Um, how do I use a computer? Uh, you start... <laughs> <laughs> that can go so many different ways. Uh-huh. Now, oh, what am I trying to say? Words. Words, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> uh <laughs>